Thanks for listening to this Word in Your Ear podcast. If you'd like to get early access to all our productions ad-free, priority booking for our live events, and to take part in our weekly quiz, go to patreon.com slash wordinyourear for more details. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Word is proud media partner of Latitude Festival. For more information and to purchase tickets, go to www.latitudefestival.co.uk. You're listening to a podcast from The Word. The weather was fabulous this morning and literally I was coming out of the house about quarter past seven. You tweeted and, and it was one of these, yeah I did, I said it's a beautiful day. And, you know, it was one of those days, and you maybe have a couple of them a year where you think, it's good to be like, yeah. <laughs> well, imagine, <laughs> I, I imagine being told no, that literally. No, I won't say this. No, yeah. Imagine, yeah. imagine Danny getting can that do literally. This. Imagine literally getting that. It was today, didn't you? Last get, night. Last after, night. They gave yeah, you the, the, the green work. light. I got in from work, and they said, uh, uh, I got my daughter said, because the, there was a scare after the... Uh, the radiation and the uh, chemotherapy they do the whole scan to see if you're all right and they said oh they said don't open the back no no yeah and the champagne because what what i didn't say was that there was this i had a meeting and they said you're great doing so well here fine well you know we we feel it's 100 percent success however there's a hot spot we've come across in your bowel so they said we don't know what it is but you're going to need exploratory and all of this uh you know your age and all of that and we've got to do it and so of course we've got to do it anyway so we did that about two weeks ago and then uh, last night I came in and my daughter said, and they said, no, I did that once last Tuesday, a week ago now, I was in the theatre. And uh, got in last night and they said, what we do, we'll, we'll let you know in two weeks, unless there's a problem, we'll get straight in touch with you. So I got in last night and my daughter said, oh, he's a colorectal clinic, of course, could you call them straight away? Well, I can't just trying to find their number and we're all like, message oh, that you want to hear very often. I called, <laughs> I called and they just, uh, the woman wanted to tell me personally, she said, you're fine, it's great, it's nothing. Uh, you're good, we're handing you back to head and neck, uh, where I know I'm clear there. And you're good to go. So and she's obviously go. enjoying the pleasant bit of her job. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 Uh, Save I, mean, I didn't frighten your daughter leaving that message. She frightened me. <laughs> uh, but anyway, that was that. Did so you celebrate? It was Not really, no. I mean, I felt great for ages. We, we, play, did, we, we did, did a play little Backman bit. Backman Turner Overdrive record. We did a little bit. Now, I played. A, uh, I actually posted the record that I felt most like hearing after drinking a couple cool. of beers. was uh, that Samuel L. Jackson version of Stacko Lee from the film Black Sabbath. Oh, 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 man. 
from the film Witch. Uh, Black Snake, uh, what's it called? Um, Black Snake something. Black but the version is, it is one of the dirtiest, nastiest piece of music delivery, <laughs> and I played that a lot on a post. I said, if you want to know what you do when you're told you're going to uh, you know, get some of the best news of your life, you drink beer and you play records like this. <laughs> it, it is really something. <laughs> it's have, have a look, have a listen to it on, but you should download it, because it, is, yeah, yeah, it yeah. is unbelievable. It's Samuel L. Jackson. Film I'd never seen, but it's Stack O'Lee and his version. Of which there are millions of versions. The version you ever heard, but then no, this is the one. You never need another. I, I, is uh, there something different in the lyric too? Because the lyrics yeah, just yeah, there is. change there all the time. Is, there right? is. You, well, you listen to it. You Billy Lyons is uh, shot by Stack O'Lee. Billy Lyons is still yeah. shot and he's yeah. still in a bar. <laughs> yeah. uh, uh, but and the bucket of blood he's in. Yeah. But it's just now. It's, it's one of the the great blues readings of all time. It really is. And it's from a film. Who knew? It's just terrific. And it's Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, it's on YouTube as well. And the bar's called The Bucket of Blood. The, it's called, the, the track's as Stacko Lee, but the bar's The Bucket of Blood, yeah. yeah. And it, I don't know who the backing band are. They're obviously the real yeah. deal. But yeah. he, he runs a bar, doesn't he, in, in uh, Alabama? Doesn't he own a bar and maybe even film there? But uh, I believe he, uh, 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 you know, he, is, he knows whereof he speaks here. I don't know if he's actually playing the guitar. Speaking of which, do you know what I found out the other week? Um... Uh, uh, on Deliverance, Eric Weisberg's hit from Deliverance, yes. the uh, Julian Banjos, that kid, you know, the kid who yeah. oh, plays it. I really thought he'd be some, uh, you know, locally found kid who just was a little inbred, hence the look on it. Of course he's not. He's a cast actor who's never played the banjo in his life, and an actor had to put, a banjo player had to put his arms through that <laughs> shirt he's wearing. <laughs> Those are not even his arms playing the banjo. <laughs> And of course, he's got a website now. So the kid cuts out at the end of the pier. He goes it? to conventions. <laughs> he goes to movie conventions, and he signs. And he looks very much like the kid. Is somebody right. signing for him? The arm comes out. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the fellow comes through and signs it. But that isn't even his hands. Has he, he learned to play it? I mean, he's no, a time. no, he's no, 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 no. He had no concept of playing a banjo at all. He was cast because he looked in bread and hillbilly. Uh, but he's, he was an actor, and I've always thought there was authenticity in that film and scene that was just too good. Yeah, but he yeah. wasn't. It's yeah. just yeah. they found a kid with kind of that look. Uh, can you play the banjo? No, no problem. But it's every, Pat Metheny band. in What's that. There's true? every bit of artifice as there is in the Star Wars bar. It is just not true. And I thought that was extraordinary. Yeah. So I looked. It went back to YouTube and looked at it. And it, it, Hollywood is brilliant, ain't it? Official. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Get in touch with writers. Tell them that. <laughs> well, it's it's like uh, whenever you see someone play a piano in a film, you know. They, they, yeah. They, 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 you can never see the, the same uh, shot where they use sort of the close-up of the hands, you know. But now yeah. you actually do see the close-up of the hands. So again, they must be doing some kind of magic. Well, or unless it's Hugh Laurie or something. Yeah, can, yeah, but that's the thing. Now, I, mean, I, I don't buy. I don't agree with that. that you know, I, I learned the piano for the role. Why would you do that? <laughs> Why would you do that? <laughs> Waste your time. It, and I don't believe you can either. You can't. No, no you no, can't. The no. idea that you pick up anything for but, a role. Well, every, every. It's like the Black Swan conversation. You know, obviously they used a proper dancer. The notion that Natalie Portman, with the best will in the world, would be as good as... A proper Her job is to look thin and miserable, yeah. isn't it? Well, well, yeah. Why they do that? You know, last I was watching you last month, you were a spy in Russia. The month before that, you were living in Middle Earth. I don't believe that this is you now. I don't believe you've inherited this. Person. It's your job. Get on with the story. But why people do that? Oh, I learned to... And I don't buy it anyway, because what's the other thing actors always say? Yeah, I, then I, I worked on the script myself. I wrote a lot of the scenes myself. No, you fucking didn't. <laughs> no, you didn't. You looked at them the night before because you're very busy. You went out there, and that's your skill. That's but enough of a skill in itself. Doesn't Dustin Don't Hoffman have this it? guy who turns up with him who writes his lines? Mm. He's worked for him for 30 I, I, years. I, I, he customises his lines. Because you have this issue with, like, Tom Cruise and so yeah. forth. He'll only say lines that Tom Cruise would say. 
Well, you know, so if the part he yeah. happens to be playing doesn't fit with Tom Cruise, he'll change it. If they're these so geniuses, he says, I won't do that. It has to be because I do that. I will not do. Yeah. If, so if they're, they're these geniuses, why are they so torpid in interview? If they're these brilliant minds, yeah, yeah, yeah. why don't they? Why do they have their autobiographies ghosted? Reading uh, Neil Simon's excellent re- rereading, uh, rewrites, and the play goes on. His two autobiographies, and he's talking about the um, Goodbye Girl, uh, which of course Richard Dreyfuss won the Oscar for. But Richard Dreyfuss was only brought in after the initial cast in, in, in that. Proved so disastrous because Neil Simon's lines are the thing, of course. Neil Simon, dead, 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 and everything is. But, but Robert De Niro was cast in The Goodbye Girl. Of course, De Niro can't do that. Can't do that speed. He can only turn away from camera and <laughs> wait and deliver the line. But nobody wanted to say in 1975, <laughs> yes. you're terrible at this. You're it's a great performance. It's, it's, it, it, it says Neil Simon, we believed he was this uh, luckless actor who, was there, who had to move in with this woman. But it wasn't funny. It was. It was in every bit of it. You believe this fellow's real. Uh, th- th- this ain't De Niro. This is a real luckless actor who's moved in with you know this actress. But he was killing the jokes. But he was making it real. But couldn't do. Just say the lines as written, yeah. and you'll get where you need to go. I tell you the great actors' pastiche, which really does not appear seem to have had a, made a, a reappearance on YouTube, which is terribly <laughs> sad. And I think Danny's a fan of this as I am. Is Nigel Planer? Oh yeah, I an actor. Nigel. Oh, oh yes. did a short kind of late night series for the BBC called I an Actor. Where he played this guy called Nicholas Craig. Nicholas Craig, yeah, who right. is the kind of acme of Thespian. pompous, self-loving. Well, yeah. Let's be frank. Here, and it was Simon was... Callow is who it was. Oh, okay, Simon but Callow. it was brilliant television, yeah. and uh, and I'd love to it see it great. again. And he does does all the little bits of an actor's life that you really need to know about, like how to order at the Chinese meal yeah. after the first night and all that kind of thing. You know, <laughs> what it's, sort of, it's, 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 it's all, it's it's all, all in sort of Shakespeare. No, no, no. He does it as if he's a guy, and I'm I'm giving you my life's work here. You a favour, and he's trying to be humble, and of course making himself more pompous it. in the process. And like one week, it's how to act Tudor, and all the BBC did was throw open their library and say, you know, uh, take any scenes you want. And of course, by treating them with great dignity, the more ludicrous they look. So we had Keith Michelle as Henry VIII, yes. and he said, and, and they put all these things together that for some reason it is a given to hack actors that they didn't eat normally. They took a chicken and tore it apart with yes. their hands and ate the leg like this while they talked, <laughs> and it was round their mouth and threw it to some dog that <laughs> was at the side of them. And, and when they showed all these, it would come back to uh, uh, Nicholas Craig, and he would turn to the camera and go. Really great chicken work, <laughs> and, it really, and all of that, which has since leaked out, else, all came from that. And it was, it's, it's a brilliant, good book. and 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 everything, he, every genre he talks about, he it says it's this, it's that, it's that. But most of all, it's bloody hard work. It's yes. bloody hard work. And, every, and, 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 and everyone's a great bloke, who, by the way, <laughs> yeah. is a great bloke. And that's disseminated into other things Strong since, but that was the first one that did it. It's yeah. a good book. Cigars. You can still be on Yes, it's on fantastic book. Yeah. It's, it's really book. good. It deserves to be, to be seen again. Danny, one of the things I wanted to ask you, you're, you're, you know, you're a period under the doctor. Mm-hmm. It's been one of the first... Um, incidents I've known that's been reported via Twitter. It's yeah, I, of... I didn't. I, I, I didn't. <laughs> that must be odd. No, I didn't. I didn't. If you ever made the record show, uh, I, I didn't. I, I, I do not use Twitter for uh, no, you don't. personal use. I do it for jokes that otherwise wouldn't exist and to stop me doing <laughs> what I'm supposed to be doing, the matter in hand. Right. I didn't um, until I was virtually well again because it was so awful, actually, you know, uh, January, February and March. And it's sheer boredom uh, that, uh, that I suddenly went to Twitter and found out, of course, that it isn't this... Oh, I'm eating lunch. If you choose to do that, but it's like if you pick up a pen, nobody puts a gun to your head and say, I am eating lunch. You either create yeah, something yeah, or you don't. Yeah. And so once I started to write jokes on it, 
uh, I, uh, I, I couldn't stop because that's what I used to do with other people, and they simply wouldn't exist. So it's rather the perfect medium for you. I've got a book to finish, you see. I've got a book that's uh, when my sister rang me up the other week and she said, do you know your book's advertised on Amazon and Waterstones? I said, is it? <laughs> <laughs> nothing. Nothing is more incentive to get going than knowing it's people are pre-ordering it. Uh, but, uh, but, of course, you sit there, and rather than do that, I think like most writers, you sit there and think, well, I'll, I'll do this stuff, pretty quality stuff for free, rather than the matter in hand. I've, I've since applied myself to it. But I didn't do any of my uh, illness on it. I don't think anyone's interested in it. And I, the reason I haven't done... I mean, the fellow from The Guardian spoke to us about 15 minutes for it uh, in an hour-and-a-half interview, and, of course, that's what they wanted and that's what they got. Yeah, but sure. even then, I was very reticent. I kept saying, not that it was anything else to talk to me about, but I think it's very boring. I don't think it's inspirational. I think it's dull. It was bad enough living through it without re, you know, using it as currency in Korea. I didn't want to do that. The only thing I did into it was to say I was well again uh, and to announce that I was well enough to use it so it kind of bookended as of even date the first one I did and the last one I did but there was no chance during the actual cancer itself that you you could Twitter it is too grim it is too overwhelmingly awful you had a a very funny line though at the beginning when you announced you said (laughs) you said I'm not fighting cancer Oh, right, no. The no, doctors the, the, are fighting Yeah, cancer. the idea that you battle it and you fight it, of course, when you're this hell, you're this, uh, you know, you're just like Omaha Beach or Normandy or any of the you're great locations. Yeah. You are the location of it. You're not fighting it. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, you certainly do. I've no, I have no idea. Yeah, I couldn't operate or buy one of these great big radiation machines. It's got nothing to do with me. I don't even know where to put my head. Uh, and I had to go up there every day. So the idea that you're battling it rather than it's happening to you, and I said, I don't want to discourage anyone who actually, you know, takes that attitude, it might help them. But I felt terrifically prone. Uh, It didn't occur to me for a second that I was going to die or anything, but I felt terrifically prone all the time. But the idea that I was battling it, it just, it just, it just seemed very vainglorious to me. But there was the joy. I, ha- I have a say in this. Yeah. <laughs> you know. There was the joy of being described as a cancer DJ. Cancer oh, I bet, yeah, yeah. I do realise now that uh, I'm going to be identified with it for a while, uh, which is, again, it's all right. If it, if I've got no great, you yeah. know, uh, I certainly don't want to, say, use it as a currency. But what else are people going to know us for? They're not going to, they weren't interested in us before it, so... Uh, David and I were just talking about this morning. The idea that, that you, you know you've been so ill and, and you rush back to do mm. to it's really the hardest job, is it? The hardest job. Yes, it's I had the job. Because Craig has joined. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, it is a Danny Baker looks on the radio as well. I don't know. There were quotations. Seriously, you kind of went pretty quickly back to it, didn't you? You see, I was gone from. I mean, I was a long. I was October, November, December, January, February, March, and most of April. It's a long time. It's a long time. But you must and have again, missed it enormously. No, I, I did, you don't miss, you don't think. I've got to tell you, head and neck cancer, you don't, you're barely conscious. You do not form words. You do not have a, a view. You don't have a philosophy. You don't have a, 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 a vanishing point whereby you're trying to get... You simply cannot function. Function. And yeah. as soon as you can, uh, it, you know, you slowly start building uh, up again over weeks. And then one day you walk downstairs and everyone gasps and says, and you say, you're all right? I say, I think so. <laughs> and <laughs> as soon as my voice returned, I actually was sitting there and you're talking and you thought, well, other than getting on the tube and going up there, it's, it's not digging coal out of the ground. I can go back and do that. And, of course, as I think uh, I've said to a few people, it's very therapeutic. It's like something they would give you to do. It's, yeah. you know, in, in one sense, radio is like basket weaving. You just go back and do that. And as long as your voice is strong, your spirit is always there. You know, without sounding too... Uh, you know, uh, Colney, your spirit is there. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, you, you can always take and make jokes about your situation. You physically can't do a lot of stuff, but your spirit's there. So once your spirit's there and your voice is there, you've got a radio show. That's that. 
Um, you know, everyone says, oh, but getting on the tube, well, you know, it's a direct line and walking. The traffic seemed loud after all that time, and yes. the world seemed much busier. But you certainly don't, it's it, from the outside, I think, and the people around you, yes, the view of what it must be like. It is, yeah. But it's rather like if you go to the dentist and he knocks you out, or you have any operation if you've ever had it, you come around and you're a bit groggy afterwards, but if people sat and watched the operation, they'd be saying, what was that like when they did that? I wasn't aware of it. No. All I'm aware of is the... Re- recently, and he sent me a text, and uh, the text just said, I've just, I'd sent him one saying, how are you? Of course, the first thing he did, evidently, when he came around, was to turn his phone on, it was very sweet. And his text came out, and he said, this is how Amy Winehouse must feel all the time. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's, that's the only thing I would say. There was no parallel to any other... Um, uh, uh, kind of feeling I've ever had. It didn't feel like a hangover. It didn't feel painful. It didn't feel. It felt like you know you're hovering between life and death, uh, and mainly on the other side of it because you are so weak and so ill and so ter- it's just awful. I mean, I want the disgusting mm-hmm. details that come mm-hmm. with it. But you ain't got. You've not got the time to self pity nor reflection nor where's this all leading. You're grimly going through the days with it. They told us this that the cancer I had, other than bone marrow, is the most grueling. It's the worst. That's Even right. though you know you yeah. shouldn't grade it, but it just because it's your head and neck, and yeah. it's, it's radi- radiation sickness, yeah. and it's just rotten. But once it, it eases, you know you, you've got any kind of inner boiler, it takes over. Yeah. Not because I'm going to fight this, just because you, you're just so relieved. And but you, so, but, this life force comes back again. You think, oh, I remember that, <laughs> and you feel ten times better than you probably are. But me going back on the radio wasn't a. You know, it wasn't one of the best shows I ever did, but going back on the radio wasn't some kind of proof I needed to myself. It's just because you thought, well, I'm only sitting no, around... No, no, I didn't mean like that. I just thought you must no, probably no, really missed it. No, no, I can understand the question. You know, that, that you, uh, yeah. it, it's just the idea that you sit around the house anyway, and that's what my job is. Well, I tried to quit it once. I don't know what... After I'd done the breakfast show for about five years, and uh, I thought, well, I've had enough of this, so I'm going to do something else and write the great novel or whatever I was going to do. And Wendy said to me one afternoon, about a month after I'd said, I don't want to do radio for a few years, look, you're only sitting up there playing records all afternoon. You might as well go up, as well go up the West End and get Just paid for it. <laughs> and that is where, uh, that's how the other show come about. Thought, so yeah, when you right. sit there and you play records uh, at home, do you, yeah. do you talk to yourself in between? Oh, them? yeah, exactly. Yeah, do you do? Well, that's what Twitter does now. I certainly don't talk about myself, but Twitter provides the, you know, the, the joke now right. i think that's what that does uh, and if you and one day they'll invent a way of uh, putting music alongside of them and then, and then you've got yourself your, your radio show yeah but those the, the, the twitter stuff wouldn't exist uh, but i used to do it of course but I, I, i'm very competitive and so i'll see you know leaving aim as high as reading what gary shanley's doing overnight go to the bbc news page and and they're bang you and you've got a joke and you think, that's that's rather good and you know the varying degrees of course but you're just sending out jokes is should be what it's for rather than Completely. i've got a book signing tonight see you there yeah, nobody yeah. nobody needs that yeah, nobody needs that. danny i've got some questions here mm. via twitter from the from the Please massive do. who all send their their very best thank wishes. you i've got to tell you and this again you know um uh i, w- I, w- I simply wouldn't be if i wasn't such a, a, a addicted to a word but the one, uh, apart from, um, I didn't watch TV, I didn't, people think you can read um, and watch DVDs, you can't, you simply can't. But uh, I had a, a, an iPad, and the, the massive forum, which I contribute to all the time, of course, in a rather incendiary way sometimes, <laughs> uh, was the one thing I did, <clears throat> the word bold, uh, and logging into the word bold, uh, was the one thing I did, and that is absolutely true. How the only activity I had through all those months 
was uh, continually, obsessively going back to see what subjects were there and putting in subjects myself. Yeah. Uh, and, of course, then afterwards, habitually seeing how many people have replied to the subject. <laughs> uh, but, uh, that's addictive. But that's the only thing I did that was the word ball. Uh, and it, it oh, simply was the only thing I remember doing in all their months. Because it's interesting, you got loads of people on the board saying, if you see Danny, give him our best wishes. And the hilarious thing is, they're he's replying a, to a comment that <laughs> Danny made. <laughs> and they don't realise that. He's, a, he's actually there. I know, I know. Uh, it, it really is, because, because it's such a, a decent place to go. And it was also just uh, the only the same things that obsessed me. Yeah, no, sure. And it was uh, just a glimpse through the bars, you know. But the, the, the actual uh, word ball was the only active Fantastic. thing I did in wow. all that time. So everybody out there, you played the part. Okay. No, it was. It was. I've got to ask this. This comes from Coopy. He says, um, he, he's saying, not saying he's vain, but would he like a statue of him erected one day? Oh, absolutely. One day? Any day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, I've never... It's, I don't think it's got to do with vanity. I just think it's like add to the gaiety of nations, of course. <laughs> oh, no, I like anything like that. I, I, of course, a, a huge statue. Would he, down would, the it, would he have trousers? Ah, no, Because uh, this is... Yeah, this is a riff that you've developed on your Saturday morning uh, Five Live show, uh, it, um, uh, which modern... Mark may have missed. Well, I don't I, know this one. Go on, I, go on. Hold, I hold with this argument, and I'll brook no argument to it. <laughs> uh, it's a broadside, not an argument. Uh, it is that um, uh, modern-day statuary died with the advent of the trouser. Oh, right, uh, Yeah, on. because uh, every, that's why all good and, and classic uh, statues... Uh, they're in uh, garters or they're, you know, they're, 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 you know, doublet and hose, yeah, yeah, togas. Yeah. Trousers okay. do not work on a statue. They can't do them. They just look like great big fat legs. And you have a look and people say, oh, there's one in St Pancras Station. There's Churchill on. They're not Churchill's, yeah, they're all over the place. They're in the high wind, isn't he? Modern yeah. day, uh, statuary ended with the advent of the trouser. Uh, and, that, and you just look. It's true. And you look As proved by St Pancras really Station. Yeah, you yeah, go down there and you yeah. see that the thing of the kiss. It looks it's ludicrous. It's yeah. as well because ludicrous. it's one of the she's got high heels as well, which doesn't work. It's a classical art. Yes. And there's nothing classical about seeing someone who's dressed like your uncle, no. just standing there, and, or indeed us. No, they've got uh, to be in a robe or something. Exactly, and how yeah. are they going to show... That's why there's no statue of Hendrix. Well, I suppose there Imagine is. Imagine Bird oh, is wearing a trouser suit. There you go, there it? you go. It just, it's just a pants. Well, we have had a thread on the word site in the past, uh, rock statuary, you know, because it's yeah. all over the bloody world, oh, and it's all horrible. The one of Frank Zappa... In, that? That's in Estonia, Estonia I think, or Finland, Croatia, or somewhere like that. Oh, com- in, com- in, com- in, in, in the alternative uh, rock and roll museum, which one day we'll get going, uh, there are only certain busts that will be allowed. And of course, one is Lionel Rich's one from the video of Hello, which was the most <laughs> yes. enormous head to, and about, to scale. But that's well, where, what happens to things like that. The great video props. I'd pay money to go and see those. That's the true. great video props that you just would. Uh, and you think, oh, in here is the actual statue from Hello. That, what, but who who should there be busts of? It's a good point. Is it Robert Plant? Have you, have you got to look medieval and windswept? It would be so hard to do, to do his hair. It would be so it would hard. Be. I, at it which test. point I produce out oh, okay. of my pocket a picture that hey, Paul Denoyer posted today on Facebook of uh, Danny. Take us through that if you can see well, what's but going yes, on. Well, I... Uh, this... this uh, when I did... What's that show called? It's the modern day Call My Bluff. Would I lie to you? Right. This p- picture pertains to that, and I wish I had it. Because I've never seen one from that, and I want... Well, certain, Paul, Paul, not, you... not that one particularly, oh, right. that's a good photo, but there's certain photos from that. When I was did that show, Would I Lie to oh, You? Brilliant. They come to you and they say, have you got any preposterous stories that may test people's, you know, credulity once you give them as a Call My Bluff style thing in the studio? That's how the show works. And, of course, I've got stacks of them, but they were so preposterous, or maybe my reputation precedes me and they thought people are going to believe that, that uh, in the end they, they made up one for me. 
But one of the stories I offered them was I was in Led Zeppelin for 25 minutes, right? And they said, uh, I said, no, I, I was. I was a member of Led Zeppelin for 25 minutes. And, of course, that is the Q Awards that photo's taken at. And Led Zeppelin, before they became you know, uh, quite ubiquitous again, or certainly had been seen together in public for a long time, were given the Lifetime Achievement. And there was a tremendous, as they used to say, buzz in the room uh, that Led Zeppelin were going to show up. They were late. Uh, and they delayed the opening of the uh, award ceremony at Kew. And then Led Zeppelin walked in. And I'm here, and all of a sudden it's hit me. Man alive, look at that. There's Robert Plant, there's John Paul Jones, and there's Jimmy Page, and there was uh, the, the son of John Bonham, of course, uh, at this table. And there was this standing eye, and they all sat down, and the thing started. And I just couldn't stop looking at Led Zeppelin. And I, I left the place on Park Lane in London, and I ran to Tower Records at Piccadilly, and I bought the uh, box set, which hadn't long been out. Oh, big brown box yeah, set yeah, yeah. and I ran back there and I thought I don't care uh, I've wasted so many of my years in, in amongst great groups uh, and never had me photo took never getting anything signed not because I thought it was uncool because I never bothered with it but I wish I yeah. had no photos of me Michael Jackson and any of that of being at his house did not chronicle it so I thought I'm going to get this done so I went across to their table once the lights were up and there was all the MTV crews and all of this around and photographers around taking photos and they were ignoring them and I thought I'm going to get through in a minute and say gentlemen would you sign this for me? And I don't care if all the room acts like an abatement cartoon. <laughs> I don't care. So I'm standing there, and Robert Plant, of course, is a massive football fan. I'm doing 606 at the time, self-regarding story. Robert Plant sees me and goes, you're Danny Baker. So I said, yeah. He said, hey, hey, come and sit down. I want to talk about walls. Makes room. Somebody fetches a chair. I'm now sitting between Jimmy Page and Robert Plant, and I'm thinking I'm handling this very well. <laughs> so we start talking about uh, walls, and, and Jimmy's got no interest, but he's, you know. I can pretty much hold my own in that company. So the MTV crew are there. They start filming a talking, and one of them just says, who's this? And uh, Robert said, he's our new drummer. Brilliant. And they gave him my name, and people are taking photographs, and I was there for about 25 minutes, and they duly signed all my thing, and we all shook hands and promised to keep in touch, and off I went. And I said, I quit. I'm not in the band anymore. So <laughs> to to the, 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 all the photographers, I said, that's it. Musical it's not working out. Uh, I've just signed a contract. I'm going, they were confused about, and they knew it was some kind of joke, but not quite sure what. But technically, yes, I was invited to join a band by Robert Plant, and 25 minutes later, I quit. Put that on your on your Wicker. <laughs> well, there's your picture. Yeah. There's your picture of Robert Wait, Plant, Billy Brad, Paul with, with the Danny Baker and Danny CV Baker. of, 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 of uh, marching uh, out of jobs as yeah. well. Isn't it? <laughs> Just walking. I, when he's I, I've been doing telly yes. 32 years, yeah. and, and, and I've walked out of about BBC, four or five. Zeppelin, four, 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 five. four or five, <laughs> I've walked out of. But that's all. People walk out of jobs all the time yeah. if they've got any nerve. The Word, a magazine, a website, a podcast. A way of life. Uh, I've got to ask you this question. It comes from mm-hmm. Bad Landlum. Says uh, you've got to repeat this nugget of trivia involving Mark Boland and Bob Dylan that you said on QI. I said, oh yes, no, that wasn't QI. Oh, okay. Um, right. uh, I, I did. They're, they're two separate ones, as far as I know. That was, I think, on um, if I'm remembering the right one, on uh, uh, when we did uh, comic relief. Uh, university challenge, and they had uh, comprehensive school kids against uh, you know Stephen Fry and his gang, on, and, and, and we won. And I remember one of the questions being, uh, I've got quite a few Mark Boland ones, but I think the only time I ever did one around Stephen was uh, the thing was who played guitar on Nutbush City Limits, and the answer came up Mark Boland. 
and that's not true. No, Mark no, Bolan, no. of course you asked Mark Bolan if he played guitar and that was shit. He would say. Mark, oh, yeah, yeah, it's a riff I've had around a while. And Tina, <laughs> and Tina, and Tina thought, yeah, yeah, we'll use that, and I wasn't doing it. So I went like, Ike Turner's a pretty good rhythm guitarist, Mark. <laughs> yes, Why would he need Mark yeah, Bolan? Yeah. In this but this is, you know, rather like I killed Bob Marley, has gone into the general, you know, uh, uh, atmosphere. And uh, there was, uh, so it came out, I remember standing up and saying to him as they got the points on the other side, that is not true. The fact is, I tangentially, I mean, a little bit knew Mark Bolan when I was at the record shop. And the one record he claims to have been on, which has since become Nutbush City Limits, because otherwise nobody knows the other one, is Sweet Rhode Island Red, which was the follow-up, which is a better record. Okay. Sweet Rhode Island Red by Arcantina Turner is a much better record than Nutbush City Limits. And there's no reason that he would have boasted that had he not been there. They were in London. He said he's on that session. And there's a couple of guitars playing pretty basic riff, but that's the song. So I stood up and said, and Stephen Fry, you know, though you may know plenty of things, but you do not. I knew Mark yeah. Bolan. I yeah. worked with Mark Bolan. Yeah. You, sir, are yeah. oh, no, no Mark Bolan. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> so that, that I, I remember putting him in their place and winning the points for the OX uh, with that one. Uh, because yeah, I can sit there and they can, talk, again, they can talk about, you know, classical philosophy and stoicism and all of this. But once you start talking about records of the 1970s, sir, I will put, you know, and I came alive during that. Uh, the Dylan thing I, it was probably, uh, and I hope I didn't tell this on the last time, when I uh, didn't meet Bob Dylan but was convinced I had. Uh, that was, th- this, is, uh, this is one of my absolute favourite anecdotes of a huge pile. I was, at, was it the Phoenix Festival? Dylan yes, did? yes, I'd I never it seen, yeah, I'd yeah, never it's seen, it's on an old aerodrome. That's right, yeah. I'd never seen Dylan. Uh, and he was playing the Phoenix Festival, and I went up there and uh, uh, we, Dylan was due, and I remember, uh, what's the fellow from fellow, Sway? Brett. They were top of the bill, I believe. And at the last minute, Dylan had signed on. And I remember making a faux pas in the backstage food tent. So I saw the fellow from Suede, and he was ashen. Uh, because uh, plainly, seven-eighths of the crowd were there not to see Suede top the bill. But it was contractual. They had to close. And Dylan didn't care. Yeah, yeah. I'll go on before him. Yeah. So I went up to old mate boy there. And I said, I, you know, I didn't know him particularly. And I said, I dropped a bit of a bollock there, only you? Follow me, Dylan. Well done. <laughs> I thought, help, I, thought, I, thought, I thought the fellow would go, I know, what are we going to do? He swallowed something hard and jagged and went, I think, we can, I think a lot of people are here for us. And he, he, just, he was obviously very nervous and I, I backed off and I'm sure he, you know, he didn't uh, respect me coming up and saying that. I just thought that's the thing to do, slapping your back and saying, oh, you know. Dropped a bit of a bullet. I've heard some of your songs and you know Bob Dylan, he, he, from the collar up he stands alone. What are you going to do? So, uh, so there was that. And then this word came through. This word came through that um, uh, Dylan wanted the backstage area cleared. He just wanted, didn't, want to, didn't want to sit up and see his people, obviously. I can't imagine Bob Dylan does this. So we're all standing backstage. It was one of those things, those power trips. And we're all being told by Laird Haley, could everyone clear the area? We're saying, what? Bob Dylan doesn't want to see anyone when he arrives. And da, da, da. So I'm saying, I said, I can't believe this. Surely, Bob Dylan. But there's nothing to be done. Everyone, artists, performers, roadies, are clearing the backstage area because Bob Dylan's about to arrive. So you bridle against it, you think, oh, well, you know, so what? So there's this massive uh, Scots uh, security fella. Danny, Danny, come here. So I said, what? And I was doing the Daz adverts at the time. Oh, you know, where's your Daz and all of that? So I'm putting up a <laughs> He said, come with me, come with me. He takes um, myself and my brother-in-law, as a massive Dylan fan, to the uh, pit in front of the stage where photographers have been cleared as well. There's nobody in the, in, the, in the pit at the front of the stage. Watch it from here. You don't have to go out. Watch it from here. 
So I said, oh, OK, so we, we watched Dylan perform from a, a foot away. He's, you know, thinking, who are these two guys down here? It was terrific. He finishes his encore, which was Rainy Day Women. It was when he was doing his kind of swinging rabbi look, you know, with a... Uh, <laughs> uh, and he was, you know, big Stevie Ray Vaughan stuff. And, you know, the uh, uh, T.O. Peppy adverts, was he looked like. <laughs> One of those. So, uh, it, 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 and off he... And off he, um, off he off, and thank you, you know, he didn't say thank you very much, but you knew that was the second yeah, encore. Yeah. So I said, come on, let's go and watch him come down the stairs at the back. So we ran off and around, because there's no-one at the back now, but they've erected this little tent for him to walk in. Dylan's coming down the steps at the back of the stage. Everyone's still applauding. He's got a pink towel over his head. But it's Bob Dylan, and he walks into this tent where I stand with my brother-in-law. We can't get near the... Well, we're close to it. We don't want to walk in there. It's just the band. And one other person, as far as I can see, it's Nick Lowe. He's talking to Nick Lowe. And he's chatting. He's got his back to us. And, and I, I know Nick Lowe very well. Well, we certainly you know, I know Nick Lowe well anyway. There's my inn. So Nick's got his back to us, and he's talking to Bob Dylan. I'm said to my brother, we're, we're having this. So we run into this tent. I grab Nick around the waist. Go, Nicky! <laughs> <laughs> he turns around. It's not Nick Lowe. <laughs> it is not Nick Lowe. Never saw anyone look less like Nick Lowe. He absolutely did not, wasn't. So it's probably Dylan's manager. This fella turns to me. Probably he not says, somebody's going to take Carney to be Dylan, Dylan's looking at us, you know, and, and the fella turns around. And of course, I think I'm going to go through with this now. Saying, oh, I'm so sorry. I thought you were Nick Lowe, right? So this fella goes, Would you just, could, fella, could you just give us a moment just here? I don't it, yeah. know. Now, no security come running over or anything. So we then, my brother in law's gone. He's two counties away by now. He's <laughs> <his brother. laughs> I amble out, and there's this big Scott security fella looking, What are you doing, Dan? What are you doing? I won't do the accent. You can't do that. Man, what have you done this to me for? Because he's the person who's allowed me access. But, of course, I kind of charmed him. Uh, Never got actually to meet. Well, I stood opposite Dylan and someone who's not Nick Lowe. And that, that, as I say, was the people who make a fool of themselves. You should put that on the old uh, word bold. Have you ever made a fool of yourself in front of a rock star? Because normally... But usually it's it's a verbal thing. You can't think what to say. I've never suffered quite from that. but uh, (laughs) but uh, But I think some people think... I'm going to have to say hello. And they say hello, and then the person carries on looking at them. And, just, I just, I just, and they, yeah. grown people can't speak. But making a fool of yourself in front of, not necessarily a hero, but someone of note. Uh, and I, I don't think I was necessarily a fool of myself in front of Dylan, but it was close. It was close. The key thing in, the, in that kind of encounter with, with legend in the street is to do it quickly, isn't it? <laughs> In and out. Oh, not at all. Is, yeah. Sorry, I will take two seconds. I just yeah. wanted to say. Yeah, I know. You know I, I must your say, your work's meant a lot to me. Yeah. Go on. In a, all they need to know right. is how long the conversation's going. Yeah, that's to be. all they want. I, I was kind of a version, a version therapy off this when I was about eleven, and we were walking up by the post office tower. I will never forget this. And there was me and my mate Stephen Mickleth, who's now just called Mickleth, and is a street poet, and started snipping glue with us. But Stephen, I ain't spoken to Stephen for thirty odd years. But we used to be, he was two doors down from me in the flats. So it was me and Steve and his sister, Rosie, who was a bit younger. And it was 1969, and uh, Monty Python just started. I like this. And, yeah, and uh, uh, um, John Cleese was on the other side of the road. And we both said, that's John Cleese coming to the wall. Just couldn't have, you know, couldn't, it couldn't have been cool. It was about 1970, I suppose. Uh, it couldn't have been cooler. And as Cleese came towards us, we were going to say just what you said, Mr Cleese, uh, 
I know you get a lot of this, but we just want to say we love the show and it's yeah. just, you know, it's, it's the new rock and roll, whatever we're going to say. Before we could do it, Rosie, who's two years young, goes, Yeah, it's old Monty Python. <laughs> it's old Monty Python. Oh. Clay's looked at the three. And before you can say, I'm not, I've never met this woman in my life. <laughs> she shared her ear. It's old Monty old Python. I don't think I've approached anyone since then. It's like my rather old and confused mother ringing me up over a month back and telling me that Al-Qaeda had been killed. <laughs> Alan Qaeda, the leader of the Islamic terrorist network. He's a singer with the ink spot. <laughs> Al Qaeda. They were never the same. As, 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 as I used to say to his associates, you can call me Al. Another question from John Peake. BBC TV centre for sale. And yeah. uh, just a bit. <laughs> Just a building or more than hang on, that? Hang on, a bit of blue touch paper, I think. Just wanna... <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Yesterday morning, and again, I was rung up by... A, I, I actually went into bed, and on the radio show, quite oh, vociferously, for about an hour and a half yesterday. You pinheads, you nitwits, you soulless creeps. I find non-swear words to be so much more insulting. That's, they are. I've got the, a crumb. Being called a crumb... Nobody gets called a crumb anymore. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Being called a crumb, you yeah. weasel, and that, well, that is... Hurts, and, you it? can't... Yeah, you yeah. can't be touched for it. You can broadcast it, yeah. Yeah. Nose picking, boss eyed twit, you know, just <laughs> calling somebody a see you next Tuesday is almost affectionate now. Well, you know, and also <laughs> it, just, it just suggests you haven't thought about really yeah. getting into their ribs, you know, because they yeah. can dismiss you then. But if you call someone a, a weasel, a half wit, uh, so I was doing all that yesterday because I actually thought. Uh, uh, and I don't care about you know uh, the wider debate as you probably I, I don't <laughs> I, I'm on, on the boards I, I will, but uh, I don't care about the wider debate. I think it's a lot of fun uh, to take a position and then leave it and walk away from it. So the position was that they should never have done it. I don't think they should do it. I, I think it's an absurd thing to sell broadcasting. Why do they make programmes at London Weekend? Why do they make them for uh, ITV studios? You've got studios there. They may be expensive to run, but that's your fault. And these are exactly the same people who in the 1960s were absolutely convinced as a cost-cutting measure that they should wipe all the videotapes. They should wipe them all. That made perfect sense then. You couldn't have argued with them then. Oh, no, we're going to get rid of uh, uh, Peter Cook and Dudley Moore and all the arts programmes and all the music programmes. Yeah, you couldn't pop. have argued them out of it then. It made sense. It doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's not... It's, it's only it, uh, transient. It doesn't matter. And Broadcasting House, just as a beautiful thing, in 50 years, just like they're doing with tapes now, 50 years' time, the BBC will be saying, if you've got a piece of TV centre in your shed, could you let us have it back? <laughs> we're trying to build it again. Because... And last week, Paul Merton, dear, dear old Paul, was out in Los Angeles doing his Hollywood series, walking around the old MGM studios, which, you know, and wistfully saying, this is being broadcast by the BBC, what magic was made in these studios? <laughs> yes. What a shame it all... What, when you think now, distant ghosts and voices, what nostalgia... I thought, you humbugs, <laughs> you liars, you thumb on the scales merchants, how dare you broadcast that? And that's next week, turn around and sell TV centre. And people are saying, oh, it's a London thing. Yeah, well, I live in London. So what? When it's a Bradford thing, you moan about Bradford. <laughs> I don't care. As it, I hate that position. And it, it haunted me all my career. That you've got to be defensive about coming from the capital. Well, no. no it's I as agree. valid as anywhere else. When yeah. they want to concrete over the Norfolk broads, I'm sure people in Norfolk will be saying, this can't happen. <laughs> but while I'm not going to be cowed by yeah. saying, you know, uh, but the BBC mayors will say that. That Tower of London. A bit London-centric, isn't it? <laughs> Can't we do that online now? Can't we do that online? Would it be good? They would sell Virtual. it off. They would sell off their own teeth, their grandmother. They would sell anything under the idea that it's justifiable by finances and your licence fee. Well, they did exactly the same when they wiped all those top of the pops. 
And that's it. to me, it's exactly the same. Uh, I don't know what they can do with TV Centre, but believe me, in 50 years, they'll wish they hadn't done it, and we'll wish they hadn't done it. Don't beat around the bush, Danny. Tell no, that's really the think. thing. I mean, just, I, 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 get, get off the fence. You press me on any point. of these. <laughs> you press me on any of these, and I collapse. But I do like. Um, I do like. Uh, I'm a kind of a, a benign Christopher Hitchens. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> so when you say a thing like that, here, yeah, you're broadcasting a London Live, which is a BBC station. No, yeah, BBC London. It is. You always call it London Live. It's been about five. You know, it changes okay, well, regularly. Does, I do that to stop myself calling it GLR. GLR, I know, there is that. Okay, it's It's BBC London. Okay. And I I, I popped in the other week. Yes, you did. To to see Erin Bodie. Erin Bodie. And uh, and there you are doing your thing in the fabulous new studios. Yeah. And I thought, this is so funny. You know, he's going to move from the the old uh, cocoa tins and a bit of string of the old GLR at Marylebone Road. Yeah. And there's still Danny in the centre doing this while all these kind of confused young things run around as if they're somehow controlling. <laughs> well, Dan, it's only Dan, to be fair. Dan, who's the producer, he's, 20, he's 21, 22 last week. Uh, and, and, enjoy, and I think he enjoys it because it's, it is one of the last places where you can... Because you don't brook any interference, do you? Can you imagine such a thing? Many have tried, Many have tried. I know, but it is an act, David, as well, as much as this is. You're I right, mean, right. I, I, I'm nothing like this bombastic in real life, but it's like Twitter. I just think, well, people, you know, you're not here to appear, you're here to work. Yeah. And it's exactly as I'm feeling at the moment. I wouldn't dream of being like this in real life. It'd be just too overwhelming. <laughs> but while it's a podcast, or while it's a radio show, or while it's a Twitter, earn your corn, will you? And that is purely and simply what it is. I mean, you know, uh, those jokes are there because I think, well, that might be useful to someone. Uh, if you don't like that, there's another one along in a minute. And doing this is as much inhabiting a character without sounding like Nicholas Craig. Right. Not too much, because you know me in private life. Uh, but just try it to vaguely entertain. And I'm not saying I'm universally popular, but that's all it is. So doing the radio show, of course I'll take these postures, these positions. Mainly, I hope to make myself look foolish. A lot of the time. <laughs> uh, no, a lot of the time. And it's so much fun to pretend you don't know stuff. Uh, really? People, I, mean, I don't pretend I don't know the names of any modern groups, which is very funny, except the Ting Tings. I'll always use the Ting Tings, so people go, he just thinks, you know, because I said the, Do- the Doobie Brothers were very much the Ting Tings of their day. You know? uh, and people say, there are other groups. And I go, oh, no, 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 but um, they're modern, aren't they? And they are just faded enough now to be funny. Is it so, like Paul Merton? Is it Lulu? Is it yeah, that's the it? thing. And well, actually, Ian Hislop's a better example, because he ain't genuinely knows. Doesn't know. But, but, you know, but, but, but it's, like it's, it's rather, again, another disappointing reality that I found the other week. The uh, great old um, uh, standby that judges will say, who is this Paul McCartney? Or, you know, uh, uh, what is a ting-ting, which, <laughs> forgive- <laughs> which is forgivable. <laughs> or, you know, but the judges will say that. What is X Factor? I found out it's not because judges don't know. It's because it's for the record. And anyone who's looking back at this trial in about 20 or 30 years will think, well, what was the X who Factor? So yeah. the judge might think, we're all talking about this, but I don't think the record will show what this was. So he will show to put it on record. He will say to the stenographer, yeah, what is the X Factor? The X Factor, my lad, and that's why they say, is a popular show on Saturday nights. So when it's put it's in the record, it's there. So in history, for the, for the ages, you'll know what they were talking about. And it's just disappointing because I like to think judges are disconnected, which they are to a certain extent. But whenever they say, uh, what are the Rolling Stones? They know, but it, someone in 100 years, it might give context to what's going on in court at the moment. Because you and can't be a judge yeah. nowadays if you're older than 70, can you? So now we're at the stage where members of the Rolling Stones are older yeah. than the, the, the judicial... People, the people that, who well, give us a dock. That, yeah. That's the thing. The, the, I, mean, it's, uh, I did a thing with Ringo the other week on the one show. 
And Ringo's looking good. Oh, you good. did the yeah, one. Mean, he looks great, doesn't he? He looks great. He looks terrific. But Ringo's, what, 72 <coughs> now? Uh, 72, I think. He's the oldest Beatle. born in 40. So he's well, 72 yeah, next yeah, birthday. Yeah, okay. yeah. He'll be 72 like next birthday. Yeah. And John Mayall's like 76, and I know there's a recurring thing, uh, you know, talking about the ages of people, but it, it, it is quite sobering. That, you know, I don't want that. I don't want Carly Simon to be 66, 67, or Carol King to be 70, and I don't know how that happened, but there is. I'm, <laughs> yeah. I'm 54 next I week. I imagine they share that feeling. I'm you? sure, yeah, but Ringo, Ringo looked terrific. But John Mayall, to be fair, was, he always seemed like an old man. Even back yes, then, he did. I, I, I was told he was 30 or something when, and then, when Eric Clapton joined the Blues Breakers. John, well, World's largest collection of what? They used, to say, um, they used to say back in the day, didn't they? But it went yeah. up in flames, didn't it? It, it went out. Went <laughs> so down. That's what he was Did he write about. a song about his pornography and come oh, up I'm in flames? I was looking at, funny, I was looking at it, Bear Wires just me. before I came out. <laughs> no, I was. And John Mayles' Bear Wires. We're talking about John Heisman on the podcast. But Mayles' liner notes are always the most pompous. He is. I like John Mayles, but he's most insufferably, I've never met him, an insufferably pompous man. I saw him at the Rainbow once, one of those terrifically under-populated uh, gigs. There was hardly anyone there. And there's nothing worse than having tickets. You're looking forward to the thing. You get there and find out they were readily available. You can buy, you know, yeah, pay yeah, at their yeah, desk. Yeah. He, and he came on late. And then, after the first number, did an entire sound check, oblivious to the audience. And when somebody said, get on with it, he just said, shut up. Okay, that's what he said to the audience. Shut up, okay. While he did this tortuous sound check during it at the third full rainbow, and it's one of the few artists as well who leaves his grumpy, uh, pompous asides on an album. He's done an album called Jazz Blues Fusion, and people are all shouting out his hit or certainly his best known it's song. It's a sexy name, isn't it? Jazz Blues Fusion. <laughs> it's, it's not a bad record, is it? <laughs> no, no, no. But uh, that's what it is. Hey, talk uh, about the turning point. You know, tell you on the turn. Oh, turning point. Uh, 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 blues from Laurel Canyon. That was, a jazz, that was a jazz blues. Fusion. No, it, it was. You know, and, and it, no it, it, it was a, not a bad band that he had for that one. But yeah. on it, and for some, and imagine making this decision to leave it on the record and and uh, stage announcements and all that again are another subject. Great stage announcements left on the record, absolutely live by the doors. Has that whole first five minutes waiting for him to come on, which actually works, but just once. Uh, but male on that. The, you hear the crowd all shouting out to, for Room to Move, which was his big yeah. number at the time. Room to move, room to move. This is on the album. And he goes, no, 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 no. And they start shouting out Room to Move. He goes, listen, listen, there's no more Room to Move, OK? That's all way in the past. What did you all come here for? Do we hear an old record or something? Two, three, four. And goes into the next... <laughs> goes right, to the new album. It's bad enough saying that, That's but wrong. leaving it leaving on the album. Own. Very wrong. While you're bollocking your own audience. <laughs> as if to say, learn the lesson from that. Has he surely made me? more of a fool of himself on the cover of, unless I'm mistaken, uh, Blues from Laurel Canyon. Yeah. In which John Mayall appears <laughs> stripped almost naked and clad only in a in chamois leather briefs. I think but <laughs> dressed, no, hang on. As, as hang a, on. Dressed as a Native American <laughs> Indian. You virtually. are. Am I going to go the wrong was that it, the one? Blues it, from Laurel Canyon? Yes, it is, but it's not chamois leather briefs. Okay, cool. It is a chamois leather loincloth. There, <laughs> there is yes, a marked difference. Sorry. It's a chamois that's, leather loincloth. That's, that's worse. And, and he's squatting down, lighting some kind of rude fire. He's lighting <laughs> a, a, a simple hobo he's wood in fire. in the desert. He could live he's not in the, the desert, is he? He's, he's, and he's got that head just from Accrington. He's got that headband on around his Johnny Mitchell hair. He's dead serious. And where's he from? Stepney? He's from Lancashire, I think. Yeah. He's right in this. Uh, yes, of course he is. He, he's right, he's lighting this fire. Yeah, yeah. But he's squatting, and if you look, if you look, there is rather like when the moon eclipses <laughs> the sun, just a halo of testicle, just, <laughs> just the very suggestion of the old male sons and daughters, just hanging there. And I'm, I know I'm not he's imagining it. It's barely a shadow, but 
don't squat when you're wearing a loincloth. <laughs> if there's nothing bad. else I pass on when in this podcast. <laughs> it's a perfect proof of whatever observation you made about rock and roll, Danny Baker has looked at it with even more scrutiny <laughs> than you. It is, it's one of those, it's, 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 it's almost, oh, your eyes it. are drawn towards it. And it's yeah. just a, okay, a suggestion, just, look tonight, just a we'll shadow. Put up, we'll put it up on the side. Just a this shadow is, of this testicles. Listen, chaps, I hate to do this. We're going to have to draw to a close. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, we got another podcast coming oh, in here yes. soon. So you do, yeah. Well, I know. We do. Bizarrely, because he's the headliner right. of the festival. That, that, yes, that, that Brett Anderson's coming in. Well, yeah, he probably. See if you remember some, you know, bumptious <laughs> boozy fool running up to him and saying, "What oh sway? Drop a bit of a bollock here." Another bumptious. What oh sway? You're going to follow Bungle and I have plenty of luck with that one. Good luck, Sam. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we're going to the bar. So, Danny, thanks very much. Thank you, thank it's you to World been, Magazine. It's been uh, a privilege. It, it has, it's, no, 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 any time, because it... Uh, uh, I actually thought we were going to start in a minute. I really did. <laughs> I actually thought, well, yeah, it's going to got the dust out of their throats. Oh, now let's, get down, <laughs> let's get down to one of these, one of the others. Well, you'll have to do. come back. We'll do another one about stage announcements. We must right, get whatever. a picture, Danny, in his Groucho Marx T-shirt as well. Yes. Yeah, this is great. Just Groucho. And it doesn't bulge out around the middle here like Leslie West. <laughs> well, Leslie West has lost a load of weight now, hasn't it? Is it? Oh, Leslie West is gaunt these days. Absolutely well, the whole point gaunt. of his group Mountain was uh, based upon his. No, his and, and, girls, and what was his solo album called? Uh, got Nantucket's Lay Road. No, no. Got it, wasn't it? Ladies and gentlemen, we'll end with this. We'll end with this. Leslie West, who was already in Mountain about his size. Uh, just before he joined West Bruce and Lang, who made an album called Things We Like, and Leslie had a great big plate of hamburgers in front of him, Leslie West's solo album was called The Great Fatsby. <laughs> the Great <laughs> Fatsby. That's right. That's Very good. On that note. <laughs> on that bombshell. <laughs> If you've been affected by any of the issues in this podcast, go to wordmagazine.co.uk or apply at your newsagent. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.